Uncle Charles's home lay in the heart of London. Once the Jubilee was over and Queen Victoria had returned to her silence, so too did the house. The hush was unbearable. At times I could hear the sound of horses' hoofs passing by, the newspaper seller calling out on the corner and occasionally a bell on a bicycle. But I missed the familiar barking of the wild dogs in the night. It even smelt quiet. And it was cold. The house was five stories high, painted white with a thick, shiny black panelled front door and a fanlight above that on bright days cast the shadowy reflection of the words Inkerman House on the tiled floor of the front hall. Aunt Caroline, who loved a mourning garment better than any other, undertook to drown me further by sheathing me in black. My petticoats had a black ribbon sewn on the hem, and even the handkerchiefs into which I was supposed to weep had black borders. It was as if we mourned the passing of all colour as well. Yet I did not cry in front of my aunt. I would not have her believe that Papa was dead. Papa used to say, that the world is full of untold stories. Wherever we went, whoever we met, he would seek out tales like a man searching through tea bush after tea bush for the sweetest, most tender of leaves. I was born in Assam, in the year the British ban on the Assamese using their own language in their schools and in the courtroom was lifted, thanks in part to Papa, who loved them and fought for them. Stories should be told in their native tongue, he said. Tales that need to be told find a moment when the time is right, Valentine, he would declare. And how marvellous if we happen to be there. I used to think of these things as I sat in Aunt Caroline's drawing room, behind the sash windows, each with its twelve panes of fine plate glass. There were no stories here. I sometimes looked out for my cousin Reggie, but mostly I sat counting the pains over and over as I tried to quell a kind of hysteria that often rose in my throat. We needn't have been trapped, Aunt Caroline and I, for there was also a set of French windows that led out to a first-floor balcony with iron railings, but the windows were never opened. Someone had once made the mistake of telling my aunt that she had a delicate constitution, and ever since, she had lived in as enthusiastic a state of delicacy as good manners would permit. Instead of fresh air, the drawing room had pot plants and mirrors, carefully positioned to reflect any outside greenery. It almost made me laugh. To me, who had grown up running through the tall elephant grasses, it did not feel green at all. It felt like death. Perhaps because Papa had so distressed my grandfather, Lord Grey, with his marriage, his brother Charles had been more circumspect in his choice of wife. He wed Caroline Birkbeck of the Birkbeck banking family in a match arranged by both families. It was a society event, a union approved by everyone. Then, when my grandfather died, Uncle Charles assumed the title. Perhaps that rather went to Aunt Caroline's head, for it was in her capacity as Lady Grey that she came into my life. I can see Papa standing in the dappled light on the veranda, sipping tea from our own plantation and reading her letters. Not knowing that they would one day change my life, I enjoyed them. They spoke of an existence I could not imagine, a life that was nothing to do with us. 
In my aunt's world, people were at home or dined out, and Reggie was always up to no good. I liked the stories. I would run to stand beside Papa as soon as a letter arrived. Tell me about Reggie, I would beg. Has he been expelled again? Papa loved the Assamese, their food and their language, but he could never be anything other than an English gentleman. His name was Albert Gray. He was the most important person in the world to me, and thus the handsomest of men. He was tall and fit, with a great wave of dark hair and a fine bushy moustache, but no picture could capture what made him good-looking. Anything in nature that bursts with life attracts the eye, and I never once saw Papa without energy and enthusiasm. He was always desperate to escape the confines of the drawing room. It was no wonder that he left Inkerman House. How he would have railed against my imprisonment in that place. 